Welcome to this episode of Catchy Knowledge, where we want more than just fishy knowledge, we want catchy knowledge. Today we have another great interview. Jim Crowley has his own podcast called Slickfish Radio and his own TV show called Jim Crowley Outdoors on Wired to Fish TV. Also, Pat Bowden from episode 30 connected me with him. I learned a ton from Jim. He's also a really cool guy. I know you guys will really enjoy this interview. But before we get started, I'd like to give a shout out to this episode's sponsor, Thrasher Foundation Repair. They do foundation repair, basement waterproofing, concrete repair, gutter installation, crawl space repair, and egress windows all over the Midwest. If you need your foundation fixed, they are the ones to call. I also know the people at Frasher are super nice and helpful, but most importantly, they're honest. You can get a free estimate today. Call 1-844-950-2092. So that's 1-844-950-2092. You should also check them out on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you to Frasher Foundation Repair for sponsoring this episode. Now let's get going. Today I'd like to welcome Mr. Jim Crowley to this episode of Catching Knowledge. I'm super excited to interview Jim because he not only loves fishing in the great outdoors like me, but he also has a podcast where he interviews people on Stickfish Radio. I know I can learn a lot from Jim. Welcome, Jim. Hey, hey glad to be here, man. I, uh, this, is, this is fun. I enjoy it. Thanks for letting me be a guest. Yeah, let's get started. How and where did you start fishing? <laughs> well, that was a while ago. My dad actually had me in the boat, and I literally caught my first fish at three years old. Wow. What yeah, kind of fish? A, it was a white bass. It was on the Fox River, and actually still have the reel that I caught that fish with. I actually had that made into uh, a lamp, and so that was the first reel that I ever caught a fish on. Nice. Can you tell the listeners what you mainly fish for? Well, it it depends because I have two shows. I actually have um, my one show, Jim Crowley Outdoors, which is on Wired to Fish TV, which is an all streaming uh, platform. Then I have Slick Fish Radio, which is the podcast. So those are the two shows that I have. So I film uh, and edit. I do all the editing for my for my own show and. It, most of the show focuses on largemouth and smallmouth bass. But years ago, I used to host a national, I was a, a co-host of a national show, Midwest Outdoors Magazine. So uh, I fished, I have fished in probably, I think, six or seven different countries, both freshwater and saltwater. Uh, wow. So I really don't care what I'm fishing for. I, I love to catch just about everything. But probably my favorite fish of all is probably still a smallmouth bass. Yeah, those things pull pretty hard. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Except they they're, a, they're a lot of fun, for sure. Except they don't stock them in my area. 
<laughs> I have to do a little bit of traveling to catch them, uh, or I do too, but I just head farther north. I spend a lot of time uh, filming each year in Wisconsin and Minnesota. So we, we love to chase smallmouth bass for sure. We might have some stocked lakes, like more in western Nebraska, mm-hmm. but I hear Lake McConaughey has some big smallmouths in it. Yeah, they definitely are fun to catch. You're in Illinois, right? Right. I'm in a little tiny small town in the center of the state called Hayworth, Illinois. And it would be just south of Bloomington and about two hours north of St. Louis. We still only have about 3,000 people in this little town. So it still has that real small town feel. Actually, my house backs up to a cornfield. (laughs) How did you meet Pat? How did I meet Pat? I think it was probably, I don't know how many years ago now, but on social media. And I think we just connected that way. And then we both work for different companies in the fishing industry and having that World Fishing Fair a couple of weeks ago down at Bass Pro Shops in Springfield, Missouri, uh, I was walking, was walking through the store and I hear this guy yell, hey, Jim Crowley. And I turned around and it was Pat. So that was the first time that we actually got to meet uh, in person. Uh, but we had we had exchanged information on social media before. So I'm not sure really how many years, but Pat is one heck of a nice guy for sure. Yeah. How was the World Fishing Fair ever? It was great. It was very cold, rainy, snowy. The sun came out. Just about every weather pattern that you could come across in three or four days, we had. It was it was an interesting experience, but um, people were so happy to be out and shopping and, and watching seminars, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was really, really cool. It was, it was quite a large event. And it was nice seeing people, uh, a lot of kids at the event, a lot of parents brought their kids, which is, which is fantastic. And so we all had a lot of fun. It was a, it was a really good event. Pat told me something funny happened over at the, the Strike King and Lose tent. So snow was blowing in the thing. Oh yeah, it was, it was, um, so the first night I didn't make it there on Wednesday. So it rained so hard that there was rain coming down the center of some of the booths. And I was there in the Rapala booth, and they actually had to squeegee the water out of the booth. Well, Thursday, it got real cold, and we were under tents, but it was still blowing in there. So we had snow blowing in the tent where Pat was. We had It got so cold in those tents that we, had, we, could, see, we could see our breath in the tents there. And I'm glad I had, uh, my cold weather gear is all blackfish gear, and I'm glad I had it on because at least I was warm because it was, it was pretty cold out there. Yeah, he told me when snow blew in their tent or whatever, Kevin Van Dam said, hey, take my picture. And he was, like, going to stand by the door, and he was going to, like, put like a tag on it welcome to michigan or something <laughs> yeah it probably did it was it was really cold that was probably in almost 30 years of doing this that was probably the coldest event that night that i'd ever worked at least outside anyway yeah how did your podcast stickfish radio get started Slickfish. yeah Slickfish radio it started it actually started with a friend of mine uh, the original stages weren't even called Slickfish Radio. The original thing was just called um, Jim Crowley Outdoors. And we we started doing that a couple of years back through a friend of mine, Don Morris, who works at a company called American Tackle. And Don just said, you really need to start doing radio. And I had done, 
I had been on different radio shows for years. I actually had a radio show uh, years ago called Hook and Hunt Radio, which was in Burlington, Iowa for about nine years. And we had a great time there. And then I did other radio things and dabbled in it a little bit. And so Don actually was the one who kind of got me back on doing the podcast. And then eventually we started getting more and more guests on it. And I wanted to differentiate myself, have a different name for it. And we, there's a whole bunch of stuff coming together here in, in the middle to the end of this year. I have a new rod line coming out called Slickfish Rods and Reels. And so we just kind of took the name Slickfish and we just, we kind of ran with it. And so Slickfish Radio just, it was just one of those things we're thinking, we're like, hey, that sounds pretty good. So then we came up with the logo. I came up with the voiceover uh, and then it just happened. And then we went from just doing something on Facebook to it broadening out to having its own Roku channel, its own Fire TV, Fire TV channel. Then it went to iTunes. Then it went to Amazon Music and then Spotify. And so it just kind of it just kind of started growing. So it's been uh, it's been its own little been its own little creature and just starting to expand. So it's been a lot of fun. I haven't quite experienced that growth yet. Well, it's it just, you know, the, uh, people have asked me, you know, how did you get, how did you get on all those stations? And I'll be honest with you, I always, my motto has always been, if I want to get good at something, I'm going to learn from somebody who knows more than me. And so I found a 17 year old young man who's a friend of my friend of my daughter, and he's really good on computer stuff. And so he's the one who actually broadened the show out and got me on all those platforms. And his name is Josiah Spurrier. And I was really grateful that he did because he's very, very good at it and knows a heck of a lot more about it than me. So that's how it kind of happened. Your website says you taught a lot of seminars. Can you tell us about that? What yeah, sure, sure. Before everything got shut down a couple years ago, I was averaging close to 50 seminars a season. Wow. So, yeah. So I had talked... Uh, I get booked in, you know, promoters uh, or some of the companies I work for will book me into places. Uh, I've literally taught thousands and thousands of people how to throw a baitcast reel. There are still videos out there from my old show, Hook and Hunt TV, where we did that. We just did a new one for my new show on Wired to Fish TV, which is just called Baitcasting 101. Uh, so that's out there. And so I've just, I, I think this past weekend, I did three seminars at the, at the Bass Pro Shops event. And I just did another one the other night, which was in the Quad Cities by Illinois and Iowa. And so I usually stay, I usually stay pretty busy because if you work for a lot of these companies in the industry, they just don't want you to fish. They want you to be able to do everything, doing podcasts, doing other radio stuff, doing television, getting out in front of and talking to people. And I've done that for over 25 years. I've given seminars. So getting up and standing in, in front of people and talking is no problem whatsoever. I enjoy doing it. Could you um, tell us about your channel on Wired to Fish TV? I've watched some of your videos. So Wired, Wired to Fish TV, by the end of 2022, we will be the largest streaming platform for fishing 24-7 that there is in the country. Wow. So we are on stations, we are on streaming channels like Plex, Distro, Local Now, uh, and there's about four or five others. Coming really soon, we're going to be on LG, which will probably double our viewership. So my show is on Wired to Fish TV every day at 
four, it's between four and 5 p.m. I think, I think it's 4 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, Monday through Friday. And so I am in the process right now of doing 13 different episodes for Wired to Fish because streaming is the new place where people are watching a lot of outdoor shows. So you can actually go on your phone and get the free Plex app. And so you can watch my show on Wired to Fish every day on your phone. You can watch it on your smart TV at home. It will be more accessible to more people by the end of 2022 than just about any other platform out there. So we are really excited. And I was really excited to be one of the shows included on the ground floor. So, and my show is a little bit different in being that not only do I show people what to do out on the water, but I also take them back to my studio and I show them how to build rods. I show them how to build lures. And then we take that and we take it out to the water and catch fish on it. So I'm pretty excited about being on Wired to Fish TV. Is that a fish tank you have back there? I have two, actually. I can't take my eyes off it. Yeah. Okay. So the fish tank that's in the background here, it's kind of hard, I think, to see. There it is back there. And I know that's really good for radio, right? They can't see that at all. Uh, but what I do, that's my test tank. So I also help with lure modifications and product design for lure parts online. So when I get a new lure in the wintertime and I can't take it out to the water, I actually have a 20 gallon long tank with current generators in it. So I can see how my lures look underwater and do some of the testing. Oh yeah. Even in the cold water months. So I know exactly what all my lures do underwater. And I think you need to do that to be able to fish them more effectively. So one of the first places when I get a new lure or a new product to try is it goes in the tank. So I have an idea about what to expect from it. I use a bathtub. Yeah, well, you know what? I have a story for you. I used to do that. So I, I used to put my lures in the bathtub. Um, but just remember, it's not a good idea to test lures in the bathtub when any one of your parents are in there. That's just, they don't like that. And so you should make sure that nobody's in the tub when you go to test out your lures. That's just a safety tip for you. That'll keep you from getting grounded. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it stinks if you're trying to collect test footage. <laughs> yeah, you, you better you better check with your mom before you do that. Unless you got one of those gopros you something well i do actually that's how we get a lot of our underwater shots when we're filming for jim crawley outdoors is because we do everything from drone over shots to underwater cameras so we use gopros underwater to show you what the lures are doing to show you uh what kind of cover you're fishing in what kind of depth changes there are so we use underwater cameras a lot as well you talked about modifying lures do you use like for suspend dots and for suspend strips that Storm makes, I'm pretty sure? Yeah, you are right about that. You are right about that. I don't use those a lot because if I'm going to throw a jerkbait or suspending lure, probably my favorite, not probably, it is, my favorite jerkbait is a Rappel X-Rap. And so that is one of our suspending jerkbaits anyway. So I, depending on the sizes, whether it be 6, 8, or 10, I use those. I use those a lot, especially in really, really cold or in clear water. Very good, but they cost like 15 bucks. I think the the X-Raps are not that expensive. They're probably about um, anywhere from probably $9.99 to, or $8.99, probably up to about $11.99. So they're, they're not as expensive as, as some of the 
uh, uh, some of the other ones out there on the market. But I think the X-Wrap's been out since 2009, and there's no doubt that it's caught thousands, if not millions of fish. It's a very, very good lure. Do you help design products for like Rafala and VMC? I, I do not help with Rapala and VMC. However, I do help uh, with some of the stuff that we do for Lure Parts Online. I've actually helped develop a couple of the jigs that we have on Lure Parts Online. One is a Ned Rig type jig that a friend of mine and I worked on, and it's called the Jackham jig. And it was designed with a special VMC hook called the Barbarian. And I, I've always loved that hook and we, we incorporated it into that design and it worked really well. I also helped out last year with a new skipping jig uh, because I love to skip jigs. I love to skip period. And I, it's called it's called a flip and skip. And that jig is designed with a flat with a flat surface on the head and also with a 40 vmc heavy duty hook so i did help with with the design of that and over the years i've helped with some plastic designs as well i sometimes like to draw up bait designs sure yeah that that's always good because as as bass fishermen i would say most of us maybe not all but most of us like tinkering with stuff and that was one of the great things about hooking up with lure parts online because they encourage that and so i went from just working with them and building my own baits to getting up to the point where we do some consultation together, where they ask me ideas, I have lures that I get to test for them. And occasionally they'll take some of my modifications and, and use those modifications. And so far we've been a pretty successful team together. So it's, it's kind of exciting, it's a lot of fun. Do you ever use V-Sphinx? Ah, yeah, the crossover pliers. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That was a great product that um, I actually have one on the other side of my office over here. A VMC did those crossover pliers. And you probably already know this, but we'll tell some of your listeners is those crossover pliers are meant to put that ring, that ring around like a wacky worm or and it, that little ring has two holes in it, one perpendicular and one straight on, where you can make it either a Nico rig or just use it as a wacky worm using uh, our Nico hook, the VMC Nico hook. And it's been a great little design, a very successful uh, design for VMC. When I first saw it, the rings, I was like, gosh, that's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they do. I, they, they work really well. And the funny thing is, um, I was just thinking of a ring like that, like, mm -hmm. but right when VMC came out with it, <laughs> I was like, oh, crud. <laughs> yeah, I've said, oh, crud a lot. I can tell you that. One, well, one thing you can do if you run out of rings or you happen to forget uh, your pliers at home is you can take a, the smallest zip tie you can find, the smallest zip ties, and you can zip tie like a wacky worm and then slip your hook underneath it. I, I have zip. Yeah, I, I have zip ties in my boat. I was actually, that tip was actually given to me by Hall of Fame angler Spence Petros uh, when we were talking a couple years ago and Spence said, hey, if you ever run out of those, he goes, try, try a small zip tie and showed me how to do it. It's really simple. And that works really well too. Yeah. Does it keep the bait on pretty well? Yeah, it does. Both those rings, I always try to use a little smaller ring uh, than the bait. So most of the wacky worms are seven millimeters uh, in diameter. So I try to use a little bit smaller ring. That way it'll hold it more secure. And just with a zip tie, if I have to use one of those, I just tighten down the zip tie 
So it just kind of pushes the bait in together and it stays on real well. You're quite open about your faith on your website. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about what led you to be so, so forward with your faith? Yeah, sure. Probably in my 20s is probably when um, I, I actually I actually committed my life to Jesus Christ. And I'm not perfect by any by any stretch of imagination. I, I when friends and I talk about it, I say, you know, unfortunately, us being humans, I, I fail God daily. But I, I also know that my life is a lot more satisfactory because I've seen things that God has done in my life to give me a better understanding about how I can be a better person. And so I'm very, very open about that because even the Bible expresses that if we shame our faith in Jesus, then he will be ashamed of us. And I'm very proud to be, I'm very proud to be a Christian. Um, the, the verse that's on my website, one of them anyway, and how we usually start or end every show, and it's actually on my logo, is Proverbs 356. I actually have it written in my, in my office here. And 356 is trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lead not unto thy own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Um, I've been very blessed to have a career in the fishing industry as well, you know, as another good job that got me to that point. And if it wasn't for God being extending me grace and being so patient with me, uh, I really don't think my life would have turned out the way it has. And and I'm very proud to say that it, it's turned out that way because, because of my faith and what Jesus has done for me. Yeah, that's great. You pro staff for some companies. Can you give me some sneak peek, sneak, sneak <laughs> so, peek on product yeah, development? So yeah, on some on pro, so you're you're basically you want the inside info. Is that what you want? Yes, I'll edit uh, it out if you want me to. Uh, yeah, we it's just me and you listening, right? Yeah, uh, right. No, sorry will, guys. <laughs> no, I'm sure I'll, I'll be more than happy to tell you. Uh, we actually have a new rod line coming out. I kind of said that a little bit earlier, and they're probably going to be unveiled at ICAST, and it's through American. It's through American Tackle, and for those people who don't know who American Tackle is, uh, American Tackle supplies a lot of the components that other companies make their rods with, and with what private rod builders build their stuff with. And one of those products is the microwave guide system. Now the microwave guide system has won more industry awards than any other guide system on the planet. They've won six. And that's as wow. well as the US as well as international. It's an incredible line control system. And so when a couple of years ago I started building my own rods and so American Tackle came to me and said, you know, the videos you've done and everything have been popular out there on building rods. What if we decided that we wanted to do a finished product with you? So if people don't want to build their rods or don't have the time to do it, that they can just have a couple of the models that you use the most to build rods. And so two of those models to start out with were a seven foot, medium heavy actually the blank is called an ls70 10 to 20 and it's actually a light saltwater blank that i use for bass fishing so that's going to be in the bait cast version and then we have a spinning rod uh that is a mb i think it's an mb73 10 to 15 and that's the spinning rod blank that we're going to use so anyway we came up with two blanks that were going to be multi faceted in other words you could use both those blanks to do a lot of different techniques and that the average angler can order off um the american tackle website when they come out and they're going to be in that 99 dollar range 
99 to $129 range, uh, which is kind of the sweet spot for rods. But it's going to it's going to be rods that you can do a lot of different things with. Mm-hmm. And so those two versions, and they're going to be called slick fish rods. And I got to help with the design. I got to help with the color. I got to help with the finished product, uh, along with my friend Don Morris, who I mentioned before. So those rods will probably be coming out sometime in July and introduced at ICAST. And so a lot of people don't know that, but now they do. That's pretty cool. I've always wanted to build a rod. <laughs> well, we, it's, it's not really that hard to do. I, I'm telling you, if I did it, okay, you, you can do it too. And my first rod, I probably had more glue on me than on the rod. But, but after I cleaned up, it gets to be pretty fun. In the winter months when it's cold and I'm not really fishing, I build a lot of rods. Yeah, I want to try that someday. The fun thing is you and your mom could actually build the rods together. I've, I've had people watch the show, fathers and daughters, mothers and sons, brothers and sisters that have built their own lures together, built their own rods together. And what, that's one of the things I really like about doing Jim Crowley Outdoors is it's a family It's a family thing where you know you and your mom could build your own lures and then go catch a fish on it. How cool would that be? Mom doesn't fish. <laughs> well, she can help you build the lures and you can say, hey, I actually caught a fish on a lure mom helped me build. <laughs> he does that all, like he does that stuff on his own. He has a little closet that, yeah. well, yeah, is has become, he's supposed to share the closet with his brother. He does not share that well. It is like 99% fishing stuff. Well, mom, just so you know, and like the, the closet will eventually probably turn into an office or a studio. <laughs> and now it's been, we're putting an addition on my garage. It's kind of going to be like my own bass cave just because my, I think my wife actually is moving me out of the house. I think is what she's doing. <laughs> I think it's taking all my fishing equipment and all my stuff, ducks and geese. And she goes, Oh, you'll get to have your own room. I think what she's actually trying to do is just go, Hey, Crowley, you're going to have your own house. I think that's, what's going to happen. <laughs> what company did he say you, you did again? You used again to build it? Like, was it like oh, a- the lures? It's called lure parts online. So if you go to Lure Parts Online, I'll even give you guys a code that your listeners can get 10% off on anything they order. So if uh, they use LurePartsOnline.com, they are are the largest manufacturer of components, anything you can possibly think of to build your own lures, tie your own flies, build your own rods, LurePartsOnline.com has it. And if you take the code JCOutdoors, 10 that's a capital j capital c capital o and then the rest is lowercase jc outdoors 10 they can go their order and they will get 10 percent off their order on whatever they want to order i think i tried to order something off there i wanted to buy a jig skirt kit or something like that oh yeah you can see on on some of the products for lure parts, you will see little videos at the bottom, like the Jackham jig that I helped design, the flip and skip that I helped design. You will see videos at the bottom, and I did those videos. So one of my jobs for lure parts online is I also do product explanation videos. So you can see how to use the lure and see what it does. Do they have black yeah. spike it? Yeah, they, they have spike it, yep. I might get some. <laughs> what are some of your favorite pre-spawn techniques oh pre-spawn techniques okay great question when it comes to really clear and cold water if if i am fishing for either largemouth or smallmouth and clear cold water there's no doubt that a jerk bait is probably one of my number one 
probably one of my number one lures, whether it be the X wrap or the shadow wrap shad or the shadow wrap, or I don't use a ripstop too much for pre-spawn, but those, those jerk baits a lot are really good. I also like, um, cranking sometimes. And so I may crank a Rapala OG slim or an OG tiny. Those are flat sided baits. I really like those a lot in cold, clear water. If I'm fishing stained or muddy water, then it's probably going to be either a big uh, half ounce spinner bait with a big we call it a t-blade it's a it's a big thumping type blade i like to use that i also build my own bladed uh bladed jigs at, which some people know as chatter baits so i also like that a lot when i have stained or muddy water and then if i'm going to use a, ver a vertical presentation no doubt that time of year it's probably going to be either a black and blue jig or a black and red jig, anything like that. And stained or muddy water, I want to contrast in color. So those are, those would be just some of my choices uh, that I would start with. How do you locate fish in the pre-spawn? How do I locate fish? All right, well, that actually depends whether I'm fishing a reservoir or whether I'm fishing a natural lake or a river. So um, without getting really, really in into depth, if I'm in a reservoir, I'm almost always looking for water temperature. And I'm also looking for water clarity. The warmer water I can find, and that's usually going to be on the north or northwest side of the lake, depending on the, on the area that I'm fishing. I'm going to look for warm water temperatures because those fish are driven that time of year to spawn. So the warmer water is going to put the odds more in my favor. If I'm fishing a, a natural lake, again, I'm going to try to look for, I'm going to look for water temperature. I'm going to look for areas that are going to warm up. A little bit quicker and a lot of times if it's a river system i'm going to try to get to some of the backwater areas if at all possible because those areas are going to be the same thing they're going to warm up a little bit easier so that time of year when it comes to the spawn i'm always looking for water temperature trying to find the warmest water in the area that i'm fishing and that's where i'm going to start do you have any advice for me as a young fisherman yeah i have a lot actually keep doing what you're doing and the best experience is going, is going fishing. To me, it never mattered about time of day or you only catch fish in the morning or you only catch fish late in the after nine. You catch fish when you go fishing, you know? And on the days when you don't, always try to pick something that you learn. Because even at 55 years old, I still learn something every time I go out fishing. We're never gonna learn everything you get better by doing it more. Anybody who thinks that they're just going to be good at fishing from the very beginning, I got news for you, it's not going to happen. I'll give you an example. I'm pretty good at getting my lures unhung when they get stuck somewhere. You know, the reason I'm good at that is because I got hung a lot and I learned. Don't ever worry about failing. Don't ever worry about not doing good. It's going to happen. Learn from it. When you don't catch fish, learn why. When you catch Catch fish, learn why. The lucky thing about you is you're young enough where you got years and years ahead of you, God willing, that you can store up a whole bunch of different information. Mm -hmm. Never stop learning, never stop asking questions, and never stop trying to figure out why. Do you have any favorite fishing stories or experiences? Oh, the first one that comes to mind is probably the biggest fish and the longest I've ever fought a fish. So the longest fish I ever caught, this happened about four years ago, the longest fish I ever caught was a 10-foot long swordfish in the Gulf of Mexico. My wife was with me on that trip, and we were filming a show for a show I had at the time called Hook and Hunt TV. When we hooked that fish 1,400 foot down, 
which is like a quarter mile. It took me two and a half hours to get that fish up to the top of the boat. So that was a two and a half hour battle with a 10 foot long, 207 pound swordfish. And I can honestly tell you that when we got that fish in, I was tired, but it was pretty incredible to see a fish that big. We were fishing for swordfish that day. So it was pretty incredible to fight one and to land one that long and that big. That was a really, really cool day. Isn't it? It's usually like you can hardly walk. And I don't know if I can hardly walk, but I was sore because a couple of days prior to that, we were catching yellowfin tuna. We were catching red snappers and my ribs were already black and blue. So the nice thing about saltwater fishing is, you know, if you had a good day, if you're hurting. <laughs> and so I was hurting. And then to hook into that big fish, uh, I think I slept part of the way back to the marina. I was pretty tired. I believe it. Um, <laughs> if you're black and blue, if your fingers are black and blue. Um, well, my fingers weren't black and blue. It was my ribs because the rod butt was in the side of my ribs. And so when you catch big snappers like that or big yellowfin tuna, uh, they put up quite a fight and they pull hard and they beat you up and it's a lot of fun, but you're feeling it afterwards. Um, maybe if your fingers turn black and blue, you could like put a little jig skirt on there <laughs> and go noodling for bass. Yeah, I tried noodling once for catfish and uh, let me reiterate that I tried that once. That won't be happening again. I heard they made like power bait noodling gloves or something. Yeah, I saw the commercial with John Cruz. That was pretty entertaining. Uh, not John Cruz, that was with John Cox, I'm sorry. Have you ever heard of a Wells catfish? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I, I have not caught one, but yes, I have. I watched a show where they went noodling for the Wells catfish. That's crazy. There's no way. There's no way that I want to stick my hand in a hole and have something bite down on it. Just not for me. Yeah, that would be pretty crazy. Intense. That would be pretty intense. And it can be really dangerous, too, because, like, you could lose your hand if it's yeah. a giant snapping turtle. Right. And I've seen some pretty big snapping turtles, and no thank you. Do you have any advice for me as a young person with a podcast? Yeah, I would say just keep doing what you're doing, just like you do. I do my research on every guest. The best thing you can do with your audience is to be honest and truthful. And if you really enjoy what you're doing, that will come across to them and they'll continue to listen and want to tell their friends about it. And I think that goes for just about anything in life. Always be honest, always be truthful, and always do everything with integrity. And if you, and if you continue to do that, you continue to do that, I have no doubt in my mind that you You'll go far in the fishing industry as well as anything else you decide to pursue. Time for some rapid fire questions. All right, I'm ready, man. Braid, mono, or fluorocarbon? Fluorocarbon. Um, favorite lure? Favorite uh, lure. Wow, I just had 10 run through my head. Uh, I will probably have to go with a jig. Favorite place to fish? Uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. That's really close to where my grandparents are. I love fish in lacrosse. I fish there at least two or three times every year. Mm. I, I love, I love lacrosse. Uh, my uncle is in Winona. Oh, okay. Biggest fish you ever caught? Biggest fish I ever caught is probably going to be, I've had two that were 10 feet long, but I, the heaviest was definitely that swordfish. 207. Wow. Favorite episode you've ever done? Ah, uh, uh, probably just the one. 
Uh, I did one years and years and years ago, way before you were born on Midwest Outdoors, that was on Arctic grayling and Big Northern Pike. And that was, uh, that was probably my favorite one then. Favorite episode of my show is probably the one we just did on skipping jigs. I really, really enjoyed that one. That came out really, really good. I don't know what my favorite is. It's hard. <laughs> well, just imagine when you got over 300 episodes to choose from. That's mine. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this one will be 46. Well, really good. You're starting to build up. Uh, you're starting to build up quite a bunch there. Favorite person to fish with. Favorite person to fish with. Oh my goodness, that uh, that's a I've I've got some really good friends. I would probably have to say my cameraman Kirk Igems, who's also my best friend. I I really enjoy fishing with Kirk. We have a good time together. Harry Potter or Star Wars? <laughs> Harry Potter. All right, time for our last question. If okay. you could go anywhere in the world, what would your dream catch be? If I could go anywhere, that's a that's a really good question. I would probably say uh, probably Costa Rica. Yeah. What would you want to fish for? Everything. Everything. I'd probably have to be there for a couple of weeks. Yeah, probably big sailfish. Down. I, I just think they're a beautiful fish. I've caught one before. Either that or I would want to go off the uh, coast of Hawaii for a big blue marlin. I have a friend who's in Costa Rica right now. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if he's home yet, but he was in, just in Costa Rica if he's still not there. Well, thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. I sure enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, me too. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Catchy Knowledge. I'd be super grateful if you subscribed, wrote a review, or left a rating. I'd also like to thank Pat Bowden for connecting me with Jim. I'd like to give a big shout out to Jim for doing the interview. I hope to stay in contact with you. One last thing. Tonight, my dad caught an absolute hog on a spinnerbait. It was 19 inches and about 5 pounds with a good belly. He was throwing a spinnerbait that it actually no skirt because a, a little bass ripped it off earlier. I also caught a solid one on a Strike King KVD Ocho. It was 16 inches with a big fat belly. It was a free pounder. I hope those tips help you. I'll see you next time on Catchy Knowledge.